This is MC Anime Podcast going live. And with this going live right now, what I'm going to be doing is the Santa Claus franchise breakdown. So what does this mean? The Santa Claus uh, franchise is... You got Scott Calvin. He takes on the mantle of being Santa Claus. And... He take, puts on a coat. He also takes the business card, which is also the contract to fulfill the duty of Santa Claus. And this is kind of where the spelling of the franchise comes into play. The Santa Claus. Instead of uh, Claus being C-L-A-U-S, it's actually another clause, which is called uh, C-L-A-U-S-E, which is a, a clause in a contract. It's a, an agreement of what actually you have to do. So, the Santa Claus franchise, instead of calling, you know, they do a homophone for Claus, and each movie and each and the TV shows each guided by a single Claus that's the theme of the movie, and it revolves around it and it all has different interactions. So what do I mean by that? Well, we have four distinct different uh, clauses in the TV show and the movies. So, the first clause is the Santa Clause. The second clause is the Mrs. Clause. We also have the Escape Clause. And we also have the Successes Clause. So the first clause that I want to talk about, this is the first movie, the Santa Clause. The, the Santa Claus, well, first we have Scott Calvin, he's on Christmas, you know, he works for a toy company, and he, he, you know, he's not doing so well. You know, he's divorced, his, his child, you know, he has visitation rights, Charlie has, you know, a stepdad now, so it's all complicated there. So, one night, Charlie spent the night with Scott Calvin. You know, Scott Calvin is SC or Santa Claus. And they notice that someone's on the roof. They go outside and he yells at the Santa Claus. What we see is the Santa Claus gets distracted. He falls off the roof. And as a result of falling off the roof, he just disappears. We don't know what happens to him. The only thing we can think is that his magic subsided and now the Santa Claus has taken an effect so he picks up the coat Charlie's like telling him oh you should put it on you be look so cool and he takes the uh, business card if you put this coat on you take the mantle of Santa Claus and now be Santa Claus so he puts on the coat you know nothing that first happens you know, he takes the contract. It's a non-lateral contract, so whether you meet the conditions if you wanted to or not, you are in the contract to be Santa Claus for life. Yeah, not much choice in it. You, if you trigger the actions to fulfill the contract, then guess what? You are Santa Claus, you got no choice, and you can't get out of it because... I don't know. It's not, it's a magical contract. So, you know what, there you go. Magical contracts to be like, sign up for a genie with. Anyway, 
So they go in the house. Guess who comes along? Bernard. Bernard is the uh, head elf at this time. And he's telling them all about the Santa Claus and how, what they need to do. And now that he is Santa Claus, showing him what his job is in Thailand, telling him that you are the new Santa Claus, that you are now Santa Claus. So Scott Calvin doesn't believe him. So Charlie and uh, Doc, the father, Santa Claus, are going to the North Pole. Bernard gets them on the reindeer. They go up there. And they see the, all the elves. They see all the toy making. They resume, you know, whatever duties at the time. To this point, Scott thinks he's still dreaming. He doesn't think this is real. But the entire time, Charlie has the, what we call the youthful spirit that lives within all children for Christmas. They believe in Santa Claus. Adults lose that value over time. So, they spend a couple of days, you know, a day, a night, all night in the North Pole. Getting to know the elves, you know, the Santa's workshop, the reindeer. But now I keep telling Scott Calvin that he's Santa Claus. He has no choice. So you put on the coat. You took the business card. You fulfill the condition on the contract. You are now Santa Claus. That's how it works. By you doing that, made you Santa Claus. You can't get out of it. So they go back to sleep. They have dust put on them. They're back in the bed. And uh, here's the funny thing. SC, they're wearing PJs, which is the initials of Santa Claus, which also is Scott Calvin. So, SC, SC, kind of both. With that being said, he thinks he has a dream about being Santa Claus. But Charlie, remember, he's a child at heart. And remembers everything. And Charlie is the one that actually goes into what we call. Dad, Dad, do you remember what we did last night for the North Pole? We were, we were you were Santa Claus. All this stuff. That kind of has like a sparring effect when the mom comes to pick him. Pick him up on the 26th that morning. You know, it's like, oh, you were Santa Claus. And. That's kind of cool, you know, they're thinking, you know, they're having fun, they're role-playing as Santa Claus, whatever. You know, the stepfather, in this case, is also a shrink. His relevance will come up a little bit later. But Charlie's still believing that he is Santa Claus. And this, you know, there's a reoccurring theme throughout the beginning of the movie. And throughout the movie, it is Charlie's belief of him being Santa Claus that he realizes what Santa Claus is truly about and actually get the spirit of Christmas. So without having the sun, he probably wouldn't be immobilizing the certification process at closing the movie. So the certification process, guess what? He starts getting the beer belly. He starts eating the milk and cookies. 
He goes to the doctor. He he extreme weight gain. You know, he has the white beard going on, the white hair. Everything's changing very drastically. The next petition of the movie, it's bring your parents to school day. It's career day. They talk about what they do. And Charlie brings his dad first before his stepfather. And Scott still works at the toy company. So he brings up a doll for the toy. And he's getting ready to explain what he does. Charlie just steps in. My dad is Santa Claus. We went to the North Pole. And he, he knows everything. And then the class start asking him questions. What did I like for Santa Claus? How do I know you're Santa Claus? And then Scott's trying to rebound on Charlie. Saying, I'm like Santa Claus. I work in a company as a toy maker. And, you know, that's just a metaphor. You know, he's trying to spit it off. and But it gets like worse after that happens. Because Charlie keeps insisting he is Santa Claus. I met the elf, I met Barney the elf, Bernard, I met the reindeer, Comet, my favorite, uh, reindeer's Comet, you know, all this other stuff that, you know, Charlie's innocent, but that innocence is like taking over. We can't stop about talking about Scott Calvert being Santa Claus and his dad is Santa Claus. So this entire time that's happening, they go to the principal. The principal is now... This is a serious problem. This is not just him believing that you are Santa Claus. This is like now you need to talk to him that you're not actually Santa Claus. And you know, the stepfather is shrink and he's like, yeah, he really believes that you're Santa Claus, but this is not healthy for Charlie to be, uh, be obsessed about you being Santa Claus. It's kind of taken too far. And, you know, they're all worried, so they have, like, a three-parent meeting. The mom, the stepfather, and Scott, the father, with the principal, talking about how this went too far. They're concerned about the well-being of Charlie, that, you know, his mindset's not right. So, Scott Calvin tries to talk to his, his son, Charlie, about, I am not Santa Claus, you need to keep it a secret. You know, it's better to... People don't understand. I don't want you to get in trouble. It's better to keep it a secret. So Charlie vows to keep it a secret. And Limbo got Calvin to this point, still has visitation rights. The parents already think he's crazy, the mom and the stepfather. But something interesting happens. This is when his certification process begins. And he really starts taking the part of looking like Santa Claus. And they think he's taking it way too far. That he's doing all this for attention. You know, the last straws and he's at the soccer game. He gets an entire line of kids that want to sit on his lap. and Because the kids know he's Santa Claus. They just have this feeling. They go to him and want to see what they want for Christmas and all this. They come up there. The two, the both parents, the stepfather and the mom, come up. Pull Charlie from the soccer game and tell him that Scott is not right. And then the stepfather's like, call me, call me. You need some help. You're delusional. You know, he's trying, trying to help Scott thinking that, 
you have a, uh, a Santa complex, so we need to talk about it. So this the entire time, he's not trying to be Santa. He never wanted to be Santa, but he picked up the coat, following the wishes of Charlie, and now he's Santa, and potentially driving a wedge with his, you know, bi with a biological mom and stepfather. It gets so bad that he is Santa Claus. The stepfather brings up the shrink, brings up the fact, well, we need to teach him a lesson. So he brings up the uh, fact of going to court, getting custody, and removing the visitation rights that Scott has for Charlie. Now, all of this, in grand scheme of things, seems kind of silly, but they're actually concerned that Scott taking the persona of Santa Claus is going too far and affecting the, you know, remember, Charlie's like six or eight, so it's really affecting his psychological condition that he believes his father to be Santa Claus, like unhealthy mindset. So the court grants no visitation from Scott. During this time period, this is when he gets all the different things with Santa. He gets the entire uh, naughty and nice list delivers to his entire house. It takes up the entire living room and downstairs. We're probably dealing like uh, 500 packages or something like that. Something crazy. And this entire time, he is getting ready to be Santa Claus. The sanitification process is happening and he's teleported with Bernard taking him to the North Pole. So he's dead set now to be Santa Claus. With that happening, you know, he tries to say goodbye to Charlie for the last time, and here's what happens. Bernard comes in, the head elf. It's time for you to be Santa Claus. It's Christmas Eve, it's time to get it all done. Well, guess what? Charlie's there with him. Uh, the mom and stepfather stepped out, you know, Scott wanted some long time to say goodbye. And Bernard teleports Charlie and Scott to the North Pole. Charlie really wants to go, and Bernard fulfills his request. This gets into legal trouble because of the fact that parents think that Scott kidnapped Charlie to evade the visitation rights from the court. That plays into the, the uh, conflict of this entire story is the realization of him being Santa Claus and him giving up his previous life to be Santa Claus. Remember, he has to give up his home, his job, he has to relocate to the North Pole, he takes the entire persona of Santa Claus, Scout Calvin is like non-existent like in the North Pole-wise, it's just Santa Claus or, you know, he's Santa. Hey Santa, Santa Claus! Stuff like that. So, he completely takes the persona of Santa Claus. The transformation is complete. And... Charlie... He... Charlie helps him by delivering gifts. But, this is where the police come in. They're looking for Santa Claus. So they start going through the entire streets for every single Santa. They get a mighty Scott Calvin. And they laid a trap on Christmas Eve at the parents' house. 
Scott Calvin came in to deliver the gifts that Charlie made at the workshop. And as a result, guess what happened? They capture him. So it's really interesting with the Santa Claus because the police think he's a kidnapper, that he's crazy for delusion on he's Santa Claus. The elf emergency team comes out and rescues him and everything in between. So the moral of the story, the Santa Claus, there was a print saying if you put on the Santa Claus, read the mantle, you, you become Santa Claus. You have no choice afterwards in which now you are Santa Claus. So, the moral of the story, try not to, I don't know, accidentally kidnap your own son. You know, that looks kind of off. And then, you know, of course, the police try to come back at the escapes prison with the jail cell. It's too late. He's already flying and everyone sees that he's Santa Claus. They're dumbfounded by the fact that he is Santa Claus. It took so long to make them believe, like the parents, to actually believe that he's Santa Claus. It was like slap in the face kind of moments. They kept going back, thinking he's delusional, thinking he's crazy. This is, you know, the ending of the story. Then Charlie also has a snow globe that can go back to him. So you have this like interesting dynamic with him being Santa Claus in the first movie establishing the entire franchise. Now we get to the second movie. Uh, this is Mrs. Claus. So Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus. And apparently in the byline of the contract in tiny, tiny print, uh, there's a clause saying, when you take the mantle of Santa Claus, you have to get married through a certain timeline to be ordered to stay Santa Claus. Because now he needs a Mrs. Claus. So what the Mrs. Claus does, it basically forces him to get married. And now the conflict of the story before Christmas is he has to get married before Christmas. So he goes on his entire hunt to get married but it also has an interesting twist because in the beginning of the movie Charlie is now in middle school so he's no longer like 8 or 10 years old but Charlie is starting to act up because of the fact that he doesn't have his dad and the him being Santa Claus is this big secret so you see Scott Calvin coming home, not only to get married, but also uh, deal with Charlie being on the naughty and nice list. Instead of being on the nice portion of the list, he's on the naughty portion of the list. We see him vandalize the school through the roof hatch, start spray painting the gym, and guess who captures him? The principal captures him on a spray paint. So the significance of this is that he got caught and he keeps getting caught. They call the, the, the parents get involved. This time the principal in middle school, not for Charlie, you know, in class and he's Santa Claus, but for Charlie's behavior at school. 
So, you know, they end the meeting. Uh, Charlie, you're not going to do this again, right? And he promised not to do it, yada, yada, yada. But he comes home. The, the stepdad and mom already know that he's Santa Claus. They also know that he's home because he needs to get married before Christmas. So the mom's trying to help him with her contacts, putting in with people to get him a date. It, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because he uses Frank's uh, clothing, the shrink, this ugly green sweater, and he drives the van. He's driving a minivan and an ugly sweater to a date. That's pretty miserable. He's been out of it so long that he doesn't know how to date. You know, he, it's kind of hard for him to date, especially on the mantle of Santa Claus. And he had to speed everything up to get married. So he had to find someone, date them, get to know them, and then get married. Basically, everything's rushed because of this. So no, no general connection can happen in this scenario. But at the same time, Charlie's acting out because of his dad. It's very hard for not having him in his life and being able to talk about what his dad does. Charlie comes to the realization that it's really difficult to hear people at school, all my friends telling me, you know, my dad's a dentist, my dad's a lawyer, my dad's a firefighter, but he can't talk about his dad because he's Santa Claus. See, the stigma of being Santa Claus is that your, your main job year-round is where they get the toys and manufacture the toys at the, at the North Pole to get ready for the Exodus. That's your entire job. It's a cute, long job because of that. And it's really hard on Charlie because his dad's not always in the picture. He's away. This is similar to like military or, you know, someone being in travel. They're not, oh, they're not home for very long and you miss them. Can't spend time with them. It really isolates you from them, you know, just like military. People are overstationed overseas, but you're still in the United States. That can be difficult because you're away from your parents, you're away from your dad or mom. It it does have an isolation feeling. So, you know. Now, Charlie escalates this entire process of spray painting, and he does it again and gets caught by the principal yet again. This time, Scott Calvin comes up. He gets the call from the principal. He drives him anyway. And guess what? He's the only one there. He's decided to take the call and I get the mom and the stepdad involved. And uh, the principal's actions that we're going to suspend Charlie. It's the only other option. Scott Calvin comes in. You shouldn't be doing this. You should be held responsible. This is not like you. He brings up the heart, community service. The principal loves that idea. And remember, the principal name is Kale. 
And it's kind of interesting how the principal, you know, lines up with it because now she's seen Scott Calvin yet again. And she also volunteers Scott Calvin to be, oh, you're going to be on chaperone with him. I'm going to see both you and Charlie there. So like, okay, cool. If you're not there, Charlie gets suspended. Basically saying that he has to be there to watch Charlie do the community service. And that's how it happens. Hale and Scott get closer through the induction of Charlie misbehaving. Very unusual circumstances. But love is not always how you perceive it. It's just how it happens. And Charlie also has a feeling of love advice that he gives to his father as well. He just says it's the feeling in your stomach. You know when you just have that tingling sensation. And then Scott has the same tingling sensation when it comes to Kale, the principal. But remember, it's Charlie's principal and Charlie has to like take him back from their relationship. And it's kind of interesting how he reacts and how you're supposed to be on my side, have a perspective, and then you're dating the principal. You know, it it does have a lot of tension there. So they slowly build up, you know, to the community service. Uh, he uses some of his magic during this time period. This is when he starts using some of his magic. Um... He used magic on a child to get to know the name. And, you know, it was George for Christmas and all of that. Kale's like, how do you know her? And, well, she's like a neighbor, kind of. You know, yeah, you have children or they just believe what they want and think the Santa Claus, you know, at this time of year. So he gives her one knee, asks what she wants. She thinks it's really special. But he also has a countdown to how much magic he has left. Because if he don't get married, if he doesn't lose himself to the world of magic, he can't get back to the North Pole on Comet. But the thing is, Comet actually gets so fat with chocolate that he can't fly anyway. But that's totally different uh, perspective. So now we have the Christmas party. Uh, Scott Calvin comes over, wanted to have a date with Kale. She had this boring, uh, school faculty holiday party. No one doing anything. There's some dancing, there's some talking, that's it. Nothing's going on there. Simon, they're sitting around bored. Scott gets the idea to do some magic. You know, he might as well use a lot of the magic left making a magical night he does this in the hopes of connecting with kale so guess what secret santa he brings everyone the childhood gifts and stuff and everyone starts playing their favorite games and favorite activities as a child and reliving their spirit for christmas because remember these adults have forgotten what the true spirit of christmas was so connecting to the childhood memories really connects him back to what Christmas is about. So he does this in an attempt to light up the party, be a really good jello man. Um, also, when he uh, has a ride, he uses his magic to get a sleigh with horses and takes that sleigh to the facility. So it's like a magical date 
run horses, uh, horse carriage to the facility, to the party. He's doing all this to impress Kale. So this entire time, Kale is like, how did you do this? How did you know? Did I just told you about the baby doll one hour ago, and here's the baby doll. And she asked, can I have a word with you? And it just, she's taken back by everything that's happened. She can't explain it. Like, how do you know all these people's baby gifts? And did you do an investigation? Did you set this up? At this time, he's not explaining what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I had a partner that, you know, I did do this. And then, you know, they'll let us see and they start kissing. And he magically puts a mistletoe up to, like, you know, get the holiday spirit up for them to kiss. So, you might think, Santa's just using magic to cheat. That might be a way. But remember, Santa Claus, or Scott Calvin, is on a very narrow timeline to get married, to have Christmas. This entire time, while he's away back in Chicago dating, we have a toy Santa Claus taking up the mantle of Santa temporarily. That gets into a problem because the toy Santa Claus takes the entire thing over and becomes a dictator, makes toy soldiers as, an, as foot soldiers, and gives every child on the list coal because he thinks they're all naughty. That's what they all deserve. It's that coal was better than coal time anyway because you have fire. So... That's going on in the North Pole. Scott's still trying to get married. And trying to get everything figured out. He figures out that he can't get back to the North Pole. Uh, the One of the advisors for the elves come down. And tell him what's going on in the North Pole. Yada yada yada. Tom is so out of it. Because he eats so much chocolate. He's lethargic. He can't fly. He can't get up. Nothing. So. He has no ride to the North Pole. However. There was a, a, a beginning of the movie with the legendary figures, like Father Time. There's a meeting of the legendary figures. Mother Nature, the Tooth Fairy, Cupid, the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus included. All talking about, you know, the progress that he's doing. They're having a, you know, whatever, yearly meeting or whatever. He gets the idea. Let's yank a tooth out, the Tooth Fairy to come. I, if the tooth fairy has wings. So, those unsuccessful getting their tooths taken out. Lucy, who's also at the time, uh, I think, with the mom and the shrink's daughter. So it's like Scott's nephew's nephew. And basically, she loses the tooth naturally because she's seven years old. She deserves that he's Santa Claus almost immediately because of how he's acting. He has a reindeer and, you know, child's imagination is pretty, pretty wild. But they go, they take the uh, Tooth Fairy hostage, take the clip of the wing, and he says, yeah, this is me, Santa Claus, and how do you know? And da, 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 da. I call you the Toothinator, the Molinator and all that stuff. So he said, oh, you're Santa. Okay, I want to help. So they are able to help, and he's trying to take back the North Pole with everything going on. With the Santa that 
is going to deliver coal to all the children. So before he ruins Christmas, he has to go stop the thank Santa Claus on Jack. There's a, a reindeer in training to go after him. And it's funny because Jack actually is the temporary reindeer for Colin because Colin's still the thargy for me all that choply spat. Um, so the two fairy comes back with Kale. They get married. The Christmas starts happening. They stop the, uh, the fake Santa Claus from delivering coal to all the children. You know, she gets the realization that, you know, uh, that you wanted me to be Mrs. Claus and try to, but so you stage this up. So she's mad at Scott. He told her the truth. And Charlie is actually the one that came back and showed her the snow globe that he has a proof of Santa Claus. Because it's see it when you shake it, you actually see it change and it actually shows you the North Pole and the mini version on the snow globe. So this is the definite proof that Kale has now seen that he is Santa Claus, and Charlie convinces him that he should give him a second chance. So the two fairy comes back to deliver to the North Pole. They stop the fake claws, the toy claws, delivering coal. And basically, they get married. Christmas is saved. Yada, yada, yada. But that misses cause. He has to get married, dealing with Charlie being naughty, being, you know, acting out. They have a father son moment where they connect. He really is trying to reconnect with his son, you know, make things right, you know, that perspective. So that is Mrs. Claus. The third movie, uh, the Santa Claus, the Escape Clause. So we're back with the legendary figures. And the one legendary figure that wasn't in the second movie that came in this movie is Jack Frost. And Jack Frost is the antagonist of this movie using the Escape Clause as a way to become Santa Claus. I'll get to that. So we have a meeting with Mother uh, Mother Nature, Father Time, the Tooth Fairy, the uh, Jack Frost, the Easter Bunny, and the and Cupid. They all discussing what is going to happen, and uh, Jack Frost very comes around, even though he's the uh, Person associated with winter time and store storms and all that stuff. He is not, he's more disconnected than the other legendary things. He just took the job very seriously, very vindictive, always trying to scheme something if he can, stuff like that. So, this is Carol. She's already married to Scott Calvin. She's already Mrs. Claus, but she's also pregnant. So, we're dealing with the North Pole, dealing with her pregnancy, the false alarms, all of that stuff, getting on the golly, going to the doctor. It's kind of funny. Just, you know, they're not at a hospital. They only have the North Pole, so they have a, you know, at-home delivery whenever the baby comes. So it's kind of interesting with this because now 
Carol's parents want to come see her. So Scott, you know, it's like, okay, let's bring your parents over. Give them the impression that let's bright up your Christmas joy, Kale. So he, basically, Kale's parents come up to visit the North Pole. They're under the assumption that he's like in Canada or something, that he makes toys, and you know, he's a big shot and just winter wonderland workshop, all this stuff. All the little people, you know, they're not. They just think he's just in this, like, holiday theme park and stuff, whatever. But Jack Frost also has interesting plans up afloat. Because, uh, Susie gets introduced to the snow globe collection that Santa Claus has. This is where we get the, the escape clause. He's trying to tell her... Lacey, why are you in here? You're not supposed to be in here, kind of that thing. And it's like, well, that's my snow globe. So Santa Claus has a snow globe. This snow globe, if he says the magical rules that he dealt, he wished them to be Santa anymore, it reverses time back to before the Santa fall off the roof, which was to Santa Claus. So the 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 escape clause. If you wish to not to be Santa anymore, brings you back to the moment before you took the mantle of Santa Claus with the first movie, takes you back all into the first movie, and you have the option then not to take the jacket, and then your time resumes normal afterward. So it's like a time aggression kind of thing. And Jack Frost. Trick Santa Claus with a recording saying you don't want to be Santa Claus, plays the recording to the snow glow, and now shows the big guy goes all the magical timeline back and forth, back to the first movie, the scene where the Santa Claus falls off the roof. So, guess what? Zach Frost and Scott Calvin start fighting. Who is going to be? Santa Claus. So it's really funny. Jack Frost actually ends up winning on this scenario. It's really funny. Uh, because Scott Calvin, all he has to do is let his past self uh, take the coat and be Santa Claus. But Jack Frost puts the Santa, uh, the Santa Claus outfit before he does. And actually what ends up happening is very funny. Jack Frost is now Santa Claus because now he took up the mantle of Santa Claus with the escape clause of the snow globe. And now Scott is no longer Santa Claus. Everything in his life is not what it was before. Yeah, he's still working with Christmas and all this stuff. He has no family. The mom split, you know. She's like, where you been? Why are you here? Charles the same way. He's not, he, he's been so heavily working as a workaholic in his toy company that he didn't have time for the family. So the time aggression back with Jack Frost being Santa Claus has changed his life entirely. Without being Santa Claus, he's now a deadbeat father. He barely comes around because he is so busy at 
Christmas time, and we'll tell Paul to heal. So he learns that you can get to the North Pole by airplane. Jack Frost has opened the entire idea of Santa Claus to the public. Instead of delivering gifts now, it's, oh, come fly to the, the Santa's workshop where you'll be able to buy all your presents and wrapping and get pictures of the reindeer. That's literally the entire attraction. Instead of Santa Claus, you know, going to your house to deliver presents, now it's every time of the year, come on and join Santa Claus in the North Pole, and he made it public. So everyone knows that Santa Claus. So everyone tries to, every parent tries to bring their child up there. It's a, it's a crazy house, everything. So the only way that Scott has to become Santa Claus is using the same escape clause on Jack Frost's snowblow that he used on him. So he gets the pen, he gets the recording of Jack Frost who say, I don't want to be Santa Claus, plays it. He actually gets Leafy to get the snow globe from him. You give him the snow globe to be able to do it. Trick Scott Frost and saying he doesn't want to be Santa Claus. And actually, goes back in the time again. This time, we have the original Scott Coward from the first movie. We have Jack Frost. We had the Santa Claus at that time in beginning of movie three. And then we have another Santa Claus with the current version that's not Santa Claus. So Scott Calvin. So he beats up uh, Jack Frost, hits him with a shovel, just like he did, Jack Frost did to him. So he lets it happen naturally, holds Jack Frost back. And the original Scott Calvin puts on the sleigh, puts on the coat, just like in the business card, just like it originally happened in the first movie. And now every, the timeline changes again. This one, it comes back to the time of Russian before, when Jack Roth is ruling uh, his, you know, the, his Christmas spirit and getting all depressed to say, I don't want to be Santa Claus. Because remember, he took on a tree, he froze the uh, the parents, he used his powers, his powers on humans, Luffy's still in the closet. So this is where he gets caught. Um, so it's kind of interesting because instead of, you know, the normal villain with, you know, Christmas, Jack Frost was Santa Claus, now he's not. Scott Calvin's back to be Santa Claus. The more of the issue now, because he froze the mom of the shrink, Jack Frost is like refusing to, uh, turn it back. And remember, all the legendary figures don't affect the other legendary figures. This has been, uh, uh cemented with, uh, Cupid. He said, oh, if I was shot myself to be loved myself. And he was asking in movies too, 
So why can you just shoot me with an arrow to be in love with someone? It doesn't look like that, because I imagine it doesn't affect the other legendary figures. So they can't reverse, you know, him pleasing the parents. And the only way to reverse it is Lucy. Scott Calvin on Santa Claus absolutely believes that her hugs are just magical. That her hugs are so powerful that it can just do away with the magic. So she hugs Jack Frost and reverses his curse of being a legendary figure. He's turned back into a human. He's not an icicle anymore. And he undoes the magic of the palest being frozen. Kind of interesting because you see throughout the movie her snowball with her hugging and all this other stuff. She is now also what Charlie did. But she has magic herself. She is such a joy for Christmas that her hugs are magical. So it's kind of interesting seeing her reverse the side effects of her parents being frozen by Jack Frost. And, uh, you know, there's nothing the legendary figures can do, even though how political Jack Frost was, they still can't do nothing. So, that's the escape clause. You have a snow globe, you wish not to be Santa Claus, it takes you back in time. The person that's probably with you at that time, if there is two people with you and you say it, with the snow globe, then there's a chance for you not to be Santa Claus. All you have to do is prevent your past self from getting the coat. Simple as that. If you're not the one wearing the coat, but you wish yourself doing it, it is a new Santa Claus because of that. But you, you have to wish I don't want to be Santa Claus with your snow globe and protect your snow globe. So, yeah. Now we get to the secession clause or the secessus clause. This comes in the TV show. So, the TV show sets up the family after the fact. After Buddy, the, uh, Buddy is born in movie two. He's all grown up, and they also has a sister that's also grown up, like sixteen. They're all in high school. The very you know. But it's kind of interesting because now you see their life growing up in the North Pole. They're the first like official family in the North Pole, and that has significance later. But this explanation you start seeing in the beginning episodes that Santa Claus is weakening on his magical power it's like faulty it's not working correctly so his thought process was maybe retirement retirement from being Santa Claus so this is where he goes back to, okay, how about Charlie? Keep it in the family business. So he seeks out Charlie. And then, you know, here's a really good point that Charlie at one point has done the tour with me the entire time. Said when he was young, he would take on the family business, yada, yada, yada. So he goes to Charlie in Hawaii, I think hot and cracks him down close to week or something like that asks him to be Santa Claus 
And he says, I don't want to be Santa Claus. I appreciate the offer, but it's not conducive to family growing up in the North Pole. So he has a reason why he doesn't be Santa Claus. Um, it's also stated that, you know, having children in the North Pole can be very difficult. Raising children in the North Pole. You know, his wife has an entire established career that she doesn't want to leave. So, yeah. That pretty much happened. And he also, Charlie has to, is now caught in big trouble. Because now he did explain to his wife that his dad is Santa Claus. And Scott Calvin said, okay, I need to go. But Jeannie, you know, I'm always good around this time of year. I would go back to what I do and give hints that he's Santa Claus, but not actually saying it. And then his wife now had, he's like, explain to me what's going on. What are you not telling me? I knew that you don't look at a shrimp boat, yada, yada, yada. Cause I'm not giving up my life for a shrimp boat. That's why she goes off, you know, all that stuff. But now Charlie has caught in a trap. You know, we, get, we haven't seen Charlie like since the third movie. So it's a, it's a long time since so we've seen Charlie. So what ends up happening is the simple fact that Charlie has explained to his wife that his dad Sarah falls, that he never told her. So that's an interesting dilemma. But he's back just like, okay, fine. He has it instead of the nice and naughty list, now he has an entire list of candidates that the head elf gives him. And the head elf this time is not Sanad, it's Betty. Uh, she's married to Noel. Noel was interesting because he's like his right hand man for Santa. But at the same time, you see the elves' reaction to the announcement that he's retiring. They start crying. They start breaking down. Nothing's the same. So they bring up people like Peyton Manning. That thing is kind of funny because they're trying to get him with his success record. Oh, you're 75%. Well, I need more for Santa Claus. The, the, the angel of dust on you. So he forgets that he, you know. You know, getting interviewed to be Santa Claus is kind of funny. So he's summoning all these people to the North Pole, not telling them they're going to be Santa Claus until the interview, and get the actual, like, part of the right guy. So, we also have another story that's happened. We follow a guy who has delivered a livery company. So, while this time frame, we see, like, you know, two past Santa Claus. Because remember, this is over a period like three years in this six-episode show. So the timeline is huge. But that's all in the movie, too. Um, so what we have happening, we see his perspective with his daughter trying to make this uh, delivery company for gifts on Christmas time very effective, and he fails. And his ideas, he throws. We see Sarah in the sky. Boom. We see Santa right in the sky. He sees a vortex. He thinks he saw Santa in one year. And he has like data saying, what is this like other 17% category for satisfaction for people getting delivered? Deliveries. Little does he know that's Santa Claus. 
But also during this time, uh, the rise that everyone just buy gifts online is hurting the Christmas magic spirit. So it puts Santa in dilemma because of the two years he's losing magic. It's because he is losing magic. There's less people, less kids believing in Santa Claus in the spirit of Christmas. So he has less and less stops along the way. So his normal routine is like, I had this stuff before, but now I don't because it's not along on the list because they don't believe. So when you get into that dilemma with Santa Claus, figure out what's happening and all this stuff. And Simon, the, you know, the father who's Rario at find the delivery system, gets the eyes for drones. Guess what? He put in the in the mini proposal that he does with a drone to get someone Adderall or Tylenol because he has Aflax or something like that. The drone wasn't smart enough to pick a location alternative to get into the building. It flew right into the window, and this is like a high rise of building. So we're talking about like. 16 stories above the ground it breaks the glass beats everyone up and everyone's in a frenzy because the drones fly around and it hits him in the head it hits simon in the head and then delivers the uh medicine that basically ends up any hope for simon because he has a failing business and he had dissatisfaction you see the company had you know there's like three or four weeks behind schedule and they're supposed to have the gifts by Christmas. It's the backers are not on his side. So he's really desperate. So he gets his interview. Here's the problem with Simon. Simon looks at Santa Claus as the corporate world. He tries to make Christmas every day. Little does he know that's not helping the spirit of Christmas. That's not saving Christmas. That is like the opposite effect. Because now he's using the Vortex system for everyone to have any gift they want 365 days a year. That's not Christmas. That's not the definition of Christmas and the giving in the spirit. Having people, you know, have to be excited for, to be grateful, to be giving. To actually have people ready to do in this time of year to do that. It takes away from it. And we also see the clauses in a different way how to adjusting to the wife. Kale's back being principal, the superstar she, she was, you know, Buddy, or uh, Buddy, or Cal, this is his name, Buddy Calvin Claus, also gets um, a girlfriend. So he starts, you know, getting really deeply involved with her. Uh, Sinandra, Sinara, she gets heavily involved with the horse club, makes a lot of new friends. She could talk to animals. Buddy, the, uh, Buddy can actually see the vortexes that his dad can. Get this, there's different sensations like how his dad could. So that, all that's happening. And it's taken some time like all the elves are disappearing from the North Pole. Betty gets fired. That's when she goes to the witch. And the witch has the Santa robe. Because Santa Claus at the time passed on the robe 
to Simon. But Simon never completed Santa Claus requirement to put on the float. Because he never put on the float. He was trying to do it the next morning and the rope was gone. The rope did not want to be this at all. It ran away from the from him being the custodian the Santa custodian of the rope. So I went to the witch and when he sensed that Scott Calvin was back, the rope went on itself to go find Scott Calvin, to go back with him. So the rope is actually sentient somehow. I didn't eat a load at the time, but I guess it's sentient. So this entire thing, at the same time, Scott reveals the origins of Christmas. The Yulvus. All different versions of the previous Santa Clauses. Who were theoretical beings, meaning they were created by the magic of Saint Nicholas. And as a result, they were they were not human. They were created, so they were necessary in the, at the time the time of the Santa to actually like you know you got you got Grumps, Grumpness, Saint Nicholas, Papa Noel, you know these the cause all these different versions of Santa Claus around the world or different time periods. Krampus is pretty funny. Krampus actually, well, that steals Christmas. But you had all these different versions of Santa Claus at the time, and they all tell, "Oh yeah, Scott Calvin, you were the first human that we trusted with the title of Santa Claus." And you also have the first family who grew up in the North Pole. You were part of the experiment, and Bernard comes back as well kind of interesting Bernard we don't see that much of in the in this actual show so everything going on he's just missing so as a result he comes back but he uh, he married an Oscar at 85 years old but he's like 1600 and he looked with every single Santa Claus he's old and he said he defends Scott. It's like, yeah, you ain't a trigger in the pigment either. We had all elves had to pick up the slack with all you guys, all different different reasons why. Scott might have wanted to be Santa Claus, but he did really chose to be Santa Claus and gave up more than you think. It is not a mistake that he was Santa Claus. I was waiting for him to mess up, and he never did. He took on the full mantle and responsibility. Just like in the contracts to Nictify. So, and then the Santa Claus is also tell your children have magic. So when he comes back, when you know Bernard faces them and he's un- they're old frozen. Ah. Uh, Scott tells them that they have magic. But he also leaves them in the dust. So he leaves them in the dust. The secession uh Tessus clause is not fulfilled because the Santa Claus for Simon was not fulfilled. So there's a chance for him to be Santa Claus again, because he just has to put the coat back. So he, in a way, is like the escape clause, but it's with the successor's clause. Because the successor fails to do the Santa Claus. So the children, you, they convince a horse named Bonoball that you know from the horse club, 
that you can fly. The owls go missing. So they, but Buddy can see the vortexes, can see where the drones are coming from that the everyday service is using. And basically, all of them get on the, on the sleigh, the horse pulls it, and the horse actually believes that he can fly, and the horse flies. And then Buddy highlights the vortex to go on the travel and go to the North Pole by force. Whatever. And she could talk to animals. This is an easy process for her. So, yeah. Simon gets taught the true meaning of Christmas. He's also told that he lost his connection. Uh, he has shown his favorite uh, Christmas memory with his wife before his wife left and all that stuff. And the end of the story. They saved Christmas by getting every single snow globe in his collection to teach people about the, their favorite holiday Christmas memories. That in itself restores the Christmas spirit at the end of the TV show to basically fulfill the belief for Christmas spirit and the, the magic to go up again. So they fixed it by being related with the snow globes. The snow globes can show your favorite memories of Christmas. And, you know, that's how they say Christmas. They, you know, they have, the thought sort of come back from the uh, second, from the second movie. So we see them come back, but Carol is bad macho taking them off. So the conclusion of this, the successor's cause was there in case he wants to retire give sent to someone else. But now he can actually, when he's ready, he can give Santa Claus to a buddy, potentially. You know, because he can see the vortexes just like his dad can. But, for right now, it's going to be a teen dynamic. They, this is like the first Christmas they actually spent together. Remember, he did this solo with his family just not having a Christmas because he has 32 hours to live all these kids. So it is tough ways of family in the North Pole. Who are the thought? Charlie was white. But you know, that's just foreshadowed. But that is the conclusion of the Santa Claus breakdown franchise. And that is, you know, the Santa Claus to be Santa Claus, the Mrs. Claus to actually be married and find someone you truly want to be with. Um, the escape clause and the successes, the successes, the successes clause, all tribulations for Scott Calvin to truly realize what you know being Santa Claus really is. All these tribulations would test to keep him along the right path so he didn't mess up. I think it's kind of good because, you know, having the death of tests and tribulations actually establish the franchise continuity. I mean, it's it's loosely connected, but it's enough there that you see in the universe as an explanation for the movies. So that's a plus. But with that, this ends this particular live stream about the 
Santa Claus franchise breakdown. And yes, there's the homophone for Claus for the contract to be Santa Claus. So who knows? You can find the MCMA podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You're also located at www.mcmapodcast.com. And that's www.mcanime. P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. You also find us on Patreon and YouTube as well at MCMA Podcasts. All right, guys.